Hello and welcome to whatever this is or isn't or will be, otherwise known as to whom it may concern. And it may concern you this fine evening. It appears that tomorrow it's a full moon. And far be it from me to know what that actually means. But a friend of mine seems to think that it's a very, very important day. But regardless of that, although I have something in mind that I would like to dive into this evening, something that I've been thinking about and have been asked about a lot lately by multiple people in my life, is a very, very tough topic to tackle. And I don't even know where to begin with it. It's about boundaries. Doesn't that just kind of scare you right out of your pants as soon as I say it? because it scares me a little bit. This is really hard to do. This is really hard to do because I don't know where to begin with it. I was talking to one of the friends that actually asked me this question. Like, okay, Agnes, like, tell me your boundaries. And I have to... I had today to, to like really stop and think about that question and why it is so scary and irritating at the same time. But also I know that it is necessary and it's just sort of a work in progress, I believe. It's impossible to give uh, an exact answer, at least not right now, for me. I have met people, I feel like, that have clear boundaries and they've always struck me as super powerful. Because you you see these people and they make it just very clear where they stand, right? And and by that, I mean, it's not about walls and it's not about creating boundaries that suffocate you or that feel like the other person is just so walled up that you cannot penetrate, not even a single layer through into who they are. Then that can generate a kind of feeling of insincerity and this person can feel just so far removed from from you or from the person that you actually see to the person that they are deep inside of the, their layers that it becomes hard to, I don't want to say trust them, but it does become hard to feel comfortable around them. But boundaries to me are a different story. Boundaries to me are a positioning. When two people walk into a room and they're meeting each other, right? There are certain layers to that social connection that needs to be made clear. First thing that we notice is intention, right? And in this intention, we understand whether or not we are in danger or whether we can stay. To reach this conclusion of what this person's intention is, is quite intuitive. Right? And it can be taken back within our control and we can kind of un- try to break down somebody's intentions. If we feel threatened or, you know, if we have s- some sort of social anxiety, then we misinterpret people's intentions towards us and we feel uncomfortable in whatever surrounding because we just don't know what people want from us. Or there could be, right, like thousands of ways if it's not from them to us, then it's from us to them. There is this sort of maybe a level of expectation that we have towards ourselves and this makes us feel awkward and just not comfortable when it when it comes to being around other people but for sure this intention let's say is built intuitively and and i believe that you can kind of sense it 
me just interject here real quick and um, make a quick note before I finally open way and allow you to listen to this podcast in peace. <laughs> I have to admit that this was a very difficult episode and not just because of the topic. It was, of course, I think discussing the topic really set something in motion inside of me that made me very self-effacing and uh, it made me very self-conscious to the extent where I wasn't sure where I began and ended right and 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 in, in a way I was very aware of the lack of boundaries inside of me and that truly upset me um until I realized that well the the essence of this whole conversation was actually to understand the relevance of this topic to understand that because of everything that has happened during these core years of life at least personally for me and I'm sure it's true for everyone I didn't realize that this is something that we need to constantly revisit with ourselves um because it's it's true that because of these events these life-changing events these huge milestones that have happened in my life my boundaries have also shifted with them right like tectonic plates in the earth i know that they not they don't necessarily change really what is above but then it creates it just the the ground beneath loses its stability what i've grown to understand and why i'm i'm breaking this down into two parts is because i want to go back to this topic and i wish and i i want to revisit this topic again this week and it just so happens that it is my month anniversary which a friend of mine reminded me of i'm very grateful for this cuz i didn't know i didn't realize i didn't notice and it is incredibly important to me that i've been doing this for a month already there's this is already the fifth episode I have decided that I want to do this every week um to the best of my ability of course and I have a lot to talk about I have a lot to say and it seems that yes like sometimes these topics like these particular kinds of topics are going to uh dig deeper right my flow is going to reveal a lot more maybe than even i am ready to see right or i am ready to to understand so i can even imagine what happens from the other side like to you listener where you're hearing someone uh, this another person's thought processes and i know with certainty that it's probably setting your own gears in motion in some direction in some shape or form so be mindful of that and be aware of that because it's very important to understand this um and and i i believe we do understand this when we kind of decide to join along in any kind of journey i will leave you to it <laughs> to dive into this topic with me and i will see you on the other side I think I'm actually going to start somewhere else tonight since I really don't know how to answer this topic of boundaries and I feel like every day I get a little bit closer to to what that feels like to what that is even though I don't again I don't this, this isn't one of those topics that is easy you know this isn't one of those topics that you can just have a list of things and go through the a's and the b's and the c's 
But uh, for each category of living and being and becoming, and even in relation to ourselves or to other people, like there are, there are different levels of boundaries that you need to have. And this is like being able to cite out somehow to maybe not even citate, but just like recite every cell of your body, which belongs to your skin. You know, you can look at your skin and instead of just seeing it and other people see it, imagine if you had to explain the boundaries of your skin to somebody without them using their five senses. And I think it's very much like this because what we're trying to explain the boundaries of is not our physical body, but of our mental being, right? Of our, of who we are, right? Which is this just very ethereal concept. It's, it's just a very non-corporeal thing. You don't, you can't associate it with anywhere in the body. You ask somebody, where's your soul? And they point at their bellies or their hearts or their brains or, you know, and you say, okay, where's your mind? And they point to your, at your, at their brains. And some people point at their hearts because they, they maybe work or think with their heart. And I don't know. Like, so it's, it's. It, I think as people, we're constantly st struggling to define the boundaries of this entity within our brains, which is which we consider to be us, right? And when this us entity or this ourselves is violated in a way, you can't necessarily know that same, the same way that you would know on your physical body, right? Somebody slaps you and it's very easy for you to say, ouch, don't do that, right? You, 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 you put your hand... Uh, on a stove, and I think I've mentioned this in a previous episode, you put your hand on a stove and it hurts, you don't do that again. Unless you somehow associate pain with love, then, you know, that's a whole other story. But when we're kids, we are discovering the boundaries of our physical body. We're discovering what we can and we cannot do, what we can and we cannot bear. Uh, and we understand the levels of, of pain that we can bear and the levels of um, how much we can run, how far we can run, right? And we're, we keep falling and getting hurt and then we get up and we heal and that's it. Like we move on, right? But as kids, we also experience besides that, like besides the physical boundaries, which we've been taught because that's sort of what we, that's what we needed to know, to survive in today's day and age. And well, back when we were cavemen, right? It was even more relevant then to know the, the boundaries of your physical body. That was the only thing that really mattered. So I believe that we have mastered that, right? Like I believe as human beings, we pretty much know with some pretty high accuracy, we know our physical boundaries. And we still do some exploration as we grow up because we're all unique, right? And it's also, it's, it's, it's not just, it's also related to who we are and how our brains are wired, right? And uh, even, even it's somehow written in our DNA, like sometimes maybe you don't even feel pain or you have a high tolerance for pain. The thing is that we don't know the boundaries of our selves. This entity with which we identify ourselves that we don't quite know who that is, right? And we spend the rest of our lives trying to define that, trying to find metaphors and poetry and books and, and some kind of expressive media to really just write or paint or sing or whatever we can use to sort of try to define it. It's like finding out the boundaries of ourselves Of is, is a lot like trying to find these glass uh, walls spread around our inner psyche without, well, smashing right through them <laughs> and then being cut to bits or, you know, without um, 
maybe pushing them too far or having somebody else run into them or you know maybe you actually don't care and you just want it gone at that point or you want to change where it is you know you just spend a lot of time in this sandbox of our minds determining where that bounding box is and i feel like i spent a lot of my life growing up living in some sort of a glass cage anyway and I don't know why this sort of image of a glass cage came to mind. I don't necessarily think of it as a cage. I don't necessarily think of it as a bounding box of a way of you can't escape it. You know, you're stuck inside of it and that's you. So, you know, when the boundaries of that box are yourself, it's more of maybe this is where my fascination with metaphors comes from, you know, because it's more of a of a of a metaphor which then would say okay what does it build what is this thing once you see all of the boundaries or you know once you start to truly see like 20 30 50 70 80 percent of those boundaries what does it start to shape into what does it look like what does it feel like to be you and then you turn to metaphors, you know, and you turn to nature and you turn to the rest of the world, to other people, to to whatever it is that we know in today's day and age. And we try to relate ourselves to that and say, this is what that feels like. This is what I feel like. So it's not a boundary. Have you ever like done that? Have you ever played this little game as a kid where, you know, there's a picture and you have like dots and you have to connect the dots? <laughs> I know that's just like a silly question, but we are in 2022 and 20, almost in 2022. And I feel like a lot of people might have really moved on from that sort of uh, media and fun having that we had. We 90s kids. Gee, I can't believe that I can actually say that now. Like I'm a 90s kid. Wow. <laughs> I didn't give myself the right if that's what you're wondering until like, I don't know, right now. Uh, because it just felt like the 90s are just so close and, you know, we're just so, so tiny and nobody really cares about our opinions. <laughs> um, millennials are, millennials are definitely my favorite generation, like stuck in the middle and just completely, completely lost uh, out there in the, in the world. But I, I feel like now, like it's, it's taking a lot of a turn, like a lot of millennials these days that I'm seeing is they're going towards, uh, healing, like self-healing and turning to yourself and understanding yourself and going to love yourself and then extending that to the rest of the world, because that's where it all begins, right? We are responsible for what we reflect or, you know, what we allow to come out of us, right? Actually, you know what? Scratch that. Kind of irrelevant, really. Go, let me go back to that puzzle with the dots that you could connect. You know, you have the dots and it kind of starts to look like something, but you don't really know what it looks like until you really start connecting the dots. And then you say, oh, it's an elephant. Wow, look at that. That's a very cute little elephant. And I think this is why we spend so much of our lives trying to fit within some boundary. You know, I think this is the fascination with astrology and the fascination with like personality tests and all the stuff where you have people trying to find that metaphor. You know, what is that box that I can just start at least at this point? You know, I can just enter in and say, oh, yes, this is me. This is I can relate myself to this. And this makes it easier for me to to understand my boundaries and to, again, understand 
What is my breadth and width? You know, what is what is the space that I take in this environment? And where where can I tell tell you or him or her to please stop because you're stepping over my boundary? And this is a line on the sand, so you can change it. And this is actually uh, a line on the cement, whatever. It took a while to carve that out. And this is actually a glass wall. And this can really, really, really hurt. Like it's there for a reason, but it really, really, really hurts if you try to push it and you break it or, you know. And then you have the stone wall, which is like the unbreakable boundary that nobody can do anything about. And it would have to just kind of be eradicated and destroyed. Uh, and it takes the longest, I guess, to change or to just come out of or around from. So, right, there's multiple layers. And I know that this is like kind of going everywhere right now. But I, I, I hope that from the large scheme of things, it makes sense. It's a very, very, very deep, intricate topic to discuss. But and I, and I don't feel like I will get to a conclusion tonight. I just feel like I want to have a better understanding of what that is when people ask you, what are your boundaries? You know, define your boundaries. try to find it in whatever we can in astrology in mbtis in enneagrams or numerology i guess even and in any case i'm not here like i know that they're completely different categories but we're not here right now to discuss which is which and which could be uh closer to the truth or further from the truth or you know i have countless discussions with people coming from all kinds of perspectives especially for mbti for example which is uh something that i personally am in love with like i just love this idea uh, starting from Carl Jung's theory of uh, categorization, but it's not necessarily categorization. It's more like telling you where in the spectrum do you more gravitate towards. And this gravitation towards one or another thing in the MBTI structure doesn't necessarily say that you are this or that. It says you are both, but you go towards one of them because of your, I would say, narratives. I'll give you a very, very simple example. If one of my narratives is, I don't believe that I deserve to be happy because deep down I th I just believe that I'm evil, right? And this is coming from uh, maybe personal trauma, either generational trauma or just something from deep in, in your childhood where you were told that you were a bad person or a bad child. And trust me, I've seen, I've seen this happen <laughs> a lot to kids, even in my lifespan, yes. And uh, it's just very hard to see. It's always hard to see because I know that that child is going to grow believing that they are bad, that they're evil. And then let's say that leads to the narrative of believing I don't deserve happiness. I don't deserve to be happy. And don't extrinsically say it and realize, oh, actually, that makes no sense because I'm not, you know, I'm not this person. It's just, this is just my narrative and I live my life by it, but it is inherently not true. Your narratives can also be holding you down, right? They can be your shackles as much as they can be your balloons, right? So they can keep you in the open air and keep you delusional, or they can keep you on the ground and they just weigh you down, right? So we need to be free sort of of these shackling or disillusioning narratives and be in this middle ground where we can feel like we are touching the ground. This is our space. This is our weight, right? 
uh, we carry ourselves anyway, like on, on the day to day, we don't need to carry more than that, more than is ne absolutely necessary. If we believe that we truly don't deserve to be happy, then what happens? We find ourselves constantly letting these kinds of people that actually harm us and don't allow us to be happy, that actually confirm our broken narratives instead of actually helping us break them or helping sort of prove the opposite. We choose the people that confirm it. And the people that confirm those narratives then become, and to some extent, that shackle. It's almost as if you're manifesting your narratives into the reality, right? And then you hear about things like self-fulfilling prophecies. What is that? That is you manifesting your narrative. It's not magic. It's not a prophecy. That is just a narrative that we have deep, deep inside of us that we truly believe. And now if we ever say it out loud and we can actually put it to words, it doesn't mean that that's the magic. It just means that you put a word to the underlying gears that move and then produce or bring about to reality this particular turn of events, which feels like a self-fulfilling prophecy, where you end up confirming your own narrative, where the people that you surround yourself with end up confirming that narrative. So it's a very, very, very powerful thing to do, right? And to have boundaries, and this is how I'm going to understand it, is to know your broken narratives first and foremost, and then to say, okay, I know this broken narrative of mine and I am trying to change it, right? I am trying to fix it. I am trying to update it. I am trying to first understand it and accept it and love it because sometimes, honestly, it's really hard and practically impossible to change this deep narrative because it is spread out so deeply in you that you can't quite find the roots of it. Things like generational trauma is really hard to find the roots of. One thing that we really need to be aware of is that our narratives are going to drive our boundaries further away or closer to us. And in this example where we believe that we truly don't deserve happiness, then somehow we end up choosing the people that confirm that narrative. And then we truly end up not being happy. And we truly feel like we are getting exactly what we deserve, but we know that we are unhappy and we, we are miserable, right? That is not a good feeling. It's you want to get out of it and you can't escape. And then you end up staying in these cycles. And you end up trying to make it better somehow. You kind of have your list of narrations that you tell yourself, that you need to tell yourself every day, to push through every day and to keep convincing yourself that what you're doing right is there is a purpose, there is a cause. And from my perspective right now, like after a year and a half in therapy, I can see that now. For myself, at least, I can see what I was doing. I was so busy trying to confirm my narratives that I just totally forgot about, you know, when is that feeling supposed to just happen? When am I supposed to start feeling happy? Or when am I supposed to start feeling okay? To go back to this idea of reconfirming boundaries, of uh, reconfirming our narratives, and then our boundary can serve us or it can do us a disservice. The first way to detect that is, are you feeling okay? How are you feeling today? And is there anything in your immediate surrounding that you can identify that is causing you to feel not okay? And if you can identify this, this said thing or this particular situation or that case scenario or whatever it is, is it driven by a deep narrative of yours which has sprung out of some situation in your life where you were made to believe something that just wasn't true 
about you? And I know that this is an uneasy question to ask. It's an even harder question to answer. It's something that I've found beneficial to think about because that's this keeps me from giving into victim mentality, right? Giving into this feeling of victimizing myself, waking up in the morning and think I am stuck. I feel cursed. I feel like I have no control, right? I feel like I have lost my agency. And this is so important. You know, when we're looking at games and we're designing games and we're designing mechanics, one of the key things that we have to give players is agency. We need to give them a feeling of agency. You need to feel like you are in some sort of control and you understand that your level of competency is enough to complete the job that is in front of you, right? To complete the task that is in front of you. But to do this, you don't just like throw the people in the middle of a game and then tell them go. No, but you do this gradually. And as they gain the momentum, they face more tough, like tougher and tougher challenges. But with that momentum, they feel confident enough to just keep going another step, another step, another step until they finally get to the big bad boss and then they defeat it. And now they're declared the hero of the game of the story. So similarly, when that sense, that feeling of agency is taken away from us and we don't feel competent anymore, like we start losing more and more of that trust in ourselves, then yes, our broken narratives are going to take a hold of us and are going to win because it is hard to fight them. And sometimes even in our strongest days, it's hard to find them, right? Especially if they're really, really deep narratives that you just resurfaced. That's not easy to deal with. That's pain, all kinds of pain. All kinds of colors and shades and spectrums of pain. And boundaries then are healthy to establish that. To say, actually, I may believe deep in, deep in me that I don't deserve to be happy. But I don't wish to be surrounded by people that confirm that. And this is a boundary. After that, you have, you know, ways of detecting who is this person, who can be that person, what kind of personality would be somebody who would do that and I don't mean like Leo or Pisces or whatever I'm not referring to astrology I mean if that helps you identify the people around you and you're still in your circle then sure navigate your social circle as however you see fit however you feel comfortable in it explore the world and don't let anybody else tell you that you are doing it wrong just do it it's okay survive in this world because it is a tough thing to survive but do it responsibly without putting people in boxes that make you feel better about yourself, but then maybe you end up being that one that is confirming the broken narratives of another, right? Recognize when the environment around you is unhealthy. More about that in another day, because that is such an interesting thing. And this was actually my therapist that brought this up one day. And uh, she was trying to describe to me, like, what is the difference between traits and having an actual mental disorder? And... I'll just like briefly get into this. Like one of the main difference between an actual trait and an actual disorder is the environment, the atmosphere that is created around a person. Like, do you feel happy around this person? Do you feel like, or around these people or whatever in this environment, do you feel like you belong? You know, do you, what do you feel? What do you feel? And where is it coming from? Right. And is it your environment or is it something that, you can intrinsically work with yourself 
to maybe see it from a different perspective, maybe shed a different light on it, maybe try instead to take the good and leave the bad on the table. Like, yeah, because it's always there. Maybe it's always there. Maybe you're never going to be able to just escape it, right? But it's up to us to reach on the table and grab that apple and then bring it to our mouth and then dig our teeth into it and then chew it and put it in our bodies. Yeah, I know that there's a lot of steps there and it's not always that simple. But this is the kind of agency that I'm talking about that we can start giving ourselves and in turn then establish some boundaries. And I know what you might be thinking, at least this is what I'm thinking. That ain't easy. It's, it's definitely not an easy. It's just the, just about the scariest thing for me to think about. Because where do I even begin? Where does one even begin setting these boundaries? Where is the place to begin to place the healthiest boundaries? At least start somewhere. At least start there, right? My gut says you start with the thing that hurts you the most. You start with just the thing, the most obvious striking thing, like that thing when you get something in your eye, you really can't just focus on anything else until you get that thing out of your eye because your eye is extremely sensitive, right? Until you remove it, I'm sorry, but life is just not going to be the same. So if there's something in our immediate attention that is causing this unhappiness and just sort of is blocking us from experiencing any kind of joy, then we try to remove it, right? And we try to become aware of it first. And then we see if there is something that we can do about it. If there is some boundary that we can establish to keep it away from us. There is such a thing as temporary boundaries too. You put it solely for the purpose of serving you and it can have a deadline to it or like not a deadline but just like a timer a dissolving a half-life and as that boundary over time will just naturally dissolve you will feel yourself more open and you will feel yourself more ready to return to the situation or to return to the person or whatever it was so if we give ourselves this time and space, which I believe it is within our rights, absolutely. Like if you even consider the recent times, like I don't think we're quite aware of the effect that we have on each other. And I don't think we're quite aware of the need that we have to connect to each other. And then what happens is that now we're overimposing ourselves or we have others overimposing on us and we don't have the tools and we don't know how to apply the certain, the, the right kind of boundaries to not keep people out, but for self-preservation. You remember just the previous episode. Actually, I was talking about the anger experiment. It's enough to walk into a room and have a person give you a stinky eye. And immediately that somehow activates your guilt. That in and of itself is a very powerful reaction to maybe a complete stranger that you don't know. So really, really... Our mental health maintenance is not just isolated within one category. So it's really not isolated to just, or exclusive really, to just one social circle. It's not isolated to your, to your group of friends or it's not isolated to family. It's not exclusive to your uh, daily commute. Even it's not exclusive to your workspace. So it really... So taking care of our mental health is not just a one-dimensional process where you're, you know, you have these rules or these, these internal kind of systems that take care of you and then regulate how much can you give and how much can you take from a person. Because the, the unfortunate turn of events is we're living in this world when we really don't know when we're overimposing on another person or when other people are overimposing themselves on us. Think of yourself as a light bulb. Like sometimes I like to think of it this way. So many people seem to use this very beautiful metaphor, I'll say. 
there are a lot of variables and a lot of things that actually affect that say let's say the intensity to which this light is on right but for sure it is there and it is our responsibility to detect is it off or is it on or it, are we finding ourselves in a place where we need to get that energy from some other area from someone else the question also then becomes what is my input right we are establishing our own boundaries we understand our own circuits we know how much we can need how much we need and how much we can take okay and now we are striving to activate this internal light of ours okay what how are we affecting actually the people around us what is our input what is our input i think we've we've seen from this whole podcast episode like we've been looking at it from us to the outside like from from we've been looking at it from the perspective of the without to towards the within and now i think it's time to look at it from within to without what's your input you know where does all this go and i started to see it some in some perspectives but for some reason i don't know why it's kind of shaping to be a bit of a mirror for me like a bit of a reflective surface i don't want to put a tag name to it because there is no such thing right there seems to be some cracks on that mirror and when you approach it it distorts what you see in it i think those cracks on those on that mirror the, the cracks on that reflective surface are, are representative of that individual's broken narratives the right angles and the just the mirror broken in just the right places can be catastrophic when they come together or you know the apps the opposite sometimes it's, it's just the right time i think we all have broken narratives inside of us so we all have a little bit like we all have our broken pieces inside of us for sure like our our this input of ours is so tried and tested and through time and and it's not just us we don't just carry our own weight on our shoulders but we carry our generational trauma on our shoulders our fathers and mothers trauma their parents and their parents parents trauma right like we carry it in our shoulders and it's no and it's to no surprise that it is called generation the generational trauma it's no surprise the generational trauma is a thing because we perpetuate it like we perpetuate it onto like down into our bloods into our next of kin you know we we perpetuate it because that's how we're taught that the world works and yeah how many people have you heard you know well what 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 happened to us whatever went wrong with us you know we grew up just fine we turned out just fine how many people have you heard say this that is perpetuation of generational trauma that is where the conversation should start to change instead of saying oh whatever happened to us you know we're fine like okay think again just think again i i know i get it it's hard you don't want to admit that there's a lot of ego there for the benefit of your next of kin just try and get help if needed you know get help if needed so we're talking about our input right like what is in our right hand on our left hand we have our light bulb this signifies just just the intensity and the strength and our capacity to love and then our on our right side this is our capacity to accept that love and to accept that intensity right and what do we do with it when we get it when we receive it what happens to it where does that love go and how does it translate into our blood and veins and meat and bones you know how does that change us how does that shape us because it does it is visceral it is physical it feels like light and that's what it manifests itself as inside of our bodies when i first ran into this fact that flowers 
like to be talked to and they like to be talked nice to. There was like this experiment that I read years back. It was probably like in my teenage years of an experiment that was done. And there were three different house plants and um, all three of them were treated differently. There was one house plant that the, the guy that was doing the experiment on it Every time that they approached uh, the plant, even when they flowered it, they just kept cursing at it, like saying curse words. There was another one that was just like neutral, not particularly nothing. I, you know, I don't say they just like water it. And then there is the third plant when, where when the guy was uh, was watering the plant, they kept saying all kinds of good things to it, like "Hello, beautiful, good morning to you, sunshine." When I was in my hometown, that was just one of my favorite things to do. When we were doing this, I would hear my mom talk to them sometimes, and I, and even to, to to our house plants and to the bouquet of flowers that I would sometimes buy for her she would just talk to them and it was the cutest the cutest thing even recently just now like it was recently her birthday and I got her bouquets with flowers from from all of our family members and she was just like ecstatic and she she kept she put them into their own vases and was talking to them in all kinds of saying all kinds of beautiful things uh, and anyway, so the story, uh, the guy was, was doing these things with three different plants and well, the first plant where that he kept cursing had slower growth and eventually started showing signs of decay and, and the one, the neutral one just kept growing regularly, you know, nothing, nothing substantial. And then the one that he, they were treating with love and care and affection apparently looked brighter. Basically it just looked happier, I guess. For sure, right? This, this, this analogy that I'm trying to make with your input, with this mirror of sorts that you know this is your narrative it is what will reflect the whatever kind of love that you will receive and if it is and if it is completely broken and shattered then that is gonna create a distorted version of the re of reality right and it's gonna maybe end up hurting you because remember it's it's on your hand right and if you if you close it and if you lock it down then you're just not even ready to receive any kind of any kind of input right any kind of that whatever the other person's output is is producing whatever kind of light or frequency it's emitting from itself. Like, it doesn't matter. You just don't want to receive it. If you open up your hand first and foremost, then your narratives are going to reveal themselves. And in that vulnerability, then you're going to not just receive the love, but also you're going to reflect it right back. And you are just going to make it very, you're going to feel naked and more apparent of where your crevices and scars are, right? But also where your beautiful landmarks are at. Ooh, look, this, these are my landmarks. This is what makes me me. And I can show that to you because you are shedding some light in it you know with your perspective and i think this is what people mean when they say we are mirrors to each other you know it's not like i go and find somebody that is my exact copy or that is similar to me no it's just i think we find another people that are vulnerable like this that open up the hand and you know they they reach out their output and input and they they extend it in front of you and you can extend it in front of them and now you're just allowing that sort of magic it's a big circuits now be created between two humans to do its thing and then generate its own light and i think this is how human beings connect are am i still talking about boundaries <laughs> yes i am and i have flipped the pages Ooh, this is interesting all right this is a very interesting one there is a drawing here so this particular graph right here <laughs> I just love how this journal, when I'm flipping on it and I land on a page, I just happen upon something that is exactly related to the thing that I was just talking about. And in this case, 
it is written here in the corner of this drawing it says like the centerpiece like imagine a graph right like you have the x axis and the y axis and on the center of this graph says the center represents the core the coming together of two beings with a married idea of a family and belonging <laughs> so you know two beings two different people with their ideas of what married would being what family is and what belonging is then you bring those two ideas together and you form a family right so this centerpiece of the spiral uh, the centerpiece sorry of this graph is that like zero zero of this graph is this um on the x axis you have life lived right so life lived that you have lived and on the y axis there's years so towards the future so like life lives and life lived in terms of experiences not in terms of uh, numerical years like time spent um and then you have years in terms of numerical wise and you have to go towards the future so the beginning point right it works and then it, it it goes as a spiral consider the graph and break it down into quarters and now it works in as a spiral fashion you know it doesn't go like directly but it actually goes from center from the center point in the form of a spiral and it spirals outward you can just maybe draw it yourself and then it spirals outward and if you look at the spiral points where like the first one for example where the extension from the dot to the min the moment where it it picks up on the y and the y-axis towards years right that moment of contact with the years uh, axis that represents like the first child in the family the first product of this coming together of these two beings oops this first product of these two entities coming together, these two beings coming together and forming a family. And then the spiral keeps going outward, right? And now life lived within this first centerpiece, uh, life lived essentially like the x-axis, that's going to be like how many experience did you manage to actually put within that time, the amount of time uh, before you know the spiral reaches another point in the years where it touched uh the y-axis again and there was like a second birth or the third birth and etc and you have to just keep doing that uh whenever you have to keep doing that if there is another child right like if there if there is another child in the family that has been born and there is a purpose to this madness like i use this to kind of show like in the centerpiece of it if you highlight the very first layer that is created from the very like the very first extension that goes down up to the first child and then it goes down in the third and in the fourth quarter of this uh graph right now you kind of have a half shell you know these 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 shells that you find at the sea at the beach yeah so now you kind of have this shell looking like structure this is the most the innermost circle where the sense of belonging to the marriage of these two beings two people coming together um and forming a new sense of family and belonging what that means feels like this first child is going to have a deeper sense of belonging to that to those narratives right let's 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 say like this like to those narratives coming together and the further you extend from that like third second child third child fourth child they will be further removed from the center because very simply put life lived and years in between from that child to the first child right or to the and the distance from the furthest child in the center like right and in in this graph the distance from the furthest child in the graph to the to the 
core, to the very, very core, it, you can see it, that it just pales out. The sense of belonging of that child pales out in comparison to the centerpieces. Why? Very simple. Because you just find yourself further and further away from the core. So that narrative is less and less likely, you know, that sense of belonging to this family is less and less likely to impact you as powerfully as it did the first child who then has a responsibility to, to carry that over to you and to, to, you know, to the rest of their siblings. So this was sort of my attempt to try to understand why me as a fourth child in my family, although I love my family very dearly, I have um, struggled with feeling, with having the sense of belonging there. And I just felt like I just didn't belong there and for whatever reason, for, well, for many, many reasons. Uh, partially because also I just didn't feel understood and I didn't feel like I was seen for who I, or accepted really, for who I truly am. And I still don't feel accepted for who I am in my family for many different reasons uh, that I will probably maybe go over in another entry in another episode. But for sure, the sense of belonging paled out in comparison with my siblings, although I spent all, like most of my life with my parents, right? At this point, I guess, ugh, I don't know if that's still valid to say most of my life. Uh, yeah, um, I guess numerically most of my life, but really in terms of relevance, um, not. <laughs> well, I've spent most of my life either by myself or living with other people. But for sure, for sure, like the sense of belonging is stronger and stronger for the people that have joined the family first. Uh, and then the idea of you passing down this into your future, like next of kin, like this idea of the marriage between two people and passing it down to your next of kin without the need maybe to really rework and work deeply with your narratives is uh, less likely. But if your parents, like in my case, for example, my parents are 40 years older than me. So like that's like two generations apart. That is a huge difference in 2020, right? Like my parents... Like my dad, I think, was born in the 50s. Like that is, woo, like they didn't even have, they didn't even know even the concept of internet was like rocket science to them, right? So like we are today living in a day and age of machine learning and developing AIs and robots. Like, you know, it's completely unfathomable, unfathomable what has happened in the past half century. Um, even in the past century, but yeah, and just in the past half century. So there is a huge gap between me and my parents. So I certainly, for sh absolutely, for certain, I'll tell you right now, a lot of the things that my dad believes and my mom believes, I would never teach them to my child. I don't think that that is going to benefit my child. It is actually going to be in the in their detriment if they really choose to believe those narratives. So I will not be carrying over those narratives. I will not be teaching that child those narratives because they are ultimately broken and I identify them as such and I don't wish for my child to relate to them. And I think, oops, I had my pen dropped and I believe that this is kind of our responsibility, especially when we do create, when we choose to have a family and when we choose to have next of kin, right? If, if we physically are able to, or if we choose to adopt or, you know, however the situation may be, it is our responsibility for it to teach that child, to carry down to that child, the kind of narratives that we truly believe in. Like this is our born in like basically born responsibility, right? And we are born into this responsibility. And over the years, right, and through therapy nowadays, right, like we can help change that if we think that that actually doesn't benefit anyone, not ourselves, and it would never benefit the rest of humanity, right, or the, any kind of, kind, of, kind of contribution that we make to humanity should not be that.
to not be the perpetuation of that cycle of that mentality. And in my case, it's very specific because, yeah, they live in a different time and uh, especially they come from a very isolated community, right? Like generally Albanians are not necessarily known for a level of empathy and our level of uh, emotional intelligence and emotional maturity. So take some development and it absolutely takes some development like you have even people that are incredibly intelligent and they still just have not developed or have not worked on their emotional capacity and just to, in understanding their emotions they understanding their feelings and trying to instead of putting them in the garbage where they belong because you know what are feelings for they put them on the you sh we should put them on the table and actually uh dig through them and you know try to clear out some space for more for better things in life uh okay anyway i will i've spent far too many minutes going into this topic but i felt that it was really important for me to describe this graph because then the rest of it i think is like my explanation of it so i will just read it read it and hope for the best i don't really remember what i wrote here so just like bear with me this is a tough one Family. The curse of a blessing that seems to be sitting in the background, observing the happenings of the group of people I was born into, a group that shaped the way I see the world and how I seek and crave to apply myself into the world. The centerpiece, the parents, our first loves, our muses, our first ever reference of the world, their histories, their lives came to a climax of melding into one life, one story, interconnected, growing together, a choice made in love, in necessity, in obligation. All that matters is that they chose to build a community of people who would belong. Belonging. We all crave it. It is in the core of what makes us human somewhere, everywhere across the pages of this book. There are explored ways in which we struggle to understand how and where we belong. Family being our first reference of it, that is our ground zero. Ground zero. What must be understood is that I have no solid background behind these perspectives other than accumulated experiences. My own and that of the people who have blessed mine with snippets of theirs. The y-axis represents years lived, since the point of melding. The negative side of the axis represents the past, and we'll get back to that and why that matters. Since the spiral observes connection through the perspective of family, the points on that axis represent the children brought into the family. The spiral continues, and it is important to note a few things. The space, the volume, the area of the spiral represents life lived in between the quadrants. I still haven't figured out what the quadrants actually represent. The year gap between each child node is important. It determines their perceived or received set of responsibilities in relation to the core of the family or what it stands for. Values, beliefs, core understandings of human nature, everything from the books you have to read to means you have to like to how you should be like or grow up to be, all that is determined during the first few spins, quote-unquote, of the cycle, of the spiral. The contributions, quote-unquote, to the core of the family will be less and less inclined to reach the center the further from it you are. Example, convincing your 14-year-old sister to break a core belief of your parents is damn right improbable. 
there is too much life lived in between that the single idea that will sound truest and most honest is, well, they will die soon before we will attempt to change that core. No matter how much you want your core of family to accept you, it might never be possible, and that is okay. You can still love them for what they are or not, but you must understand it is not your responsibility to change it. You were born into it. That is um interesting. Oh, and then it connects actually into another entry that I read another time about uh, perspectives, reality, and how it is built. Filters of our ego and the Albanian poem Shmenduni. I feel like that definitely relates to the boundary conversation. I honestly, okay, to the boundary monologue, yes, fine, I will correct myself there. For sure, though, that is absolutely true. And I wish I, I'm actually very glad that I read that because I, I definitely needed to hear that. After a year and a half in therapy, for sure, I think I understand my parents a lot more. I love them a lot more. And um, I can kind of love them purely without this ego in me interjecting itself inside of the space of that love, you know, and then creating sh weird shapes and shadows on the other side of the receiving end. I do absolutely agree that it is not our responsibility to change the core that we are brought into. Our responsibility is to identify, perhaps, uh, where we stand against that core. Like, do we stand with those beliefs or not? Do they benefit us or not? And if we don't feel accepted, then how does that affect us? What does that mean to us? And how does that shape our narratives? How we put down our boundaries. I picture myself into the future eventually having my own family, right? Eventually having this moment of melding and connecting with someone and their core narratives and their core beliefs and then creating a family that who knows what it's going to look like, right? Who knows what that coming together of minds and, and spirits and hearts and bodies is going to look like. This conversation is definitely inspired by the turn of events in the past two weeks, which feels, it definitely feels like serendipity. Just a, a series of very, very strange events that seem to have been leading to a certain climax, which might be this podcast episode. Do, do I know what my boundaries are? I don't know. We will see, but at least I now understand, like the boundaries will be set, but I now understand better what it is that I want. And I believe I just want to be happy. And you know, I have, there is somewhere in this diary an entry about happiness. And once I have discovered already that happiness is a choice and I seem to maybe not have forgotten that, but the choice to be happy has become harder over the years because our narratives have gone deeper. And they have infected, especially like the more we go through life, and this is, I think, why life tends to get harder is if we don't uh, fix our narratives is because they seep through the cracks and they go so deep inside that it is just nearly impossible to purify it and fix it. And it's, it just becomes difficult living with it. Maybe impossible is a very bad word. I don't like the taste of that word in my mouth. But for sure, it is something that we can work towards. It is something that we can fix. There are ways that we can work with ourselves. So we are constantly, every day, we are changing every day, we are shaping into more of who we are. 
and there is no such thing as a lost soul. I at least don't believe it. My therapist probably does, but I at least don't believe it. I just think that after a certain point in time, we all have this calling and some of us just ignore it, maybe. And we don't want to deal with it. So we just conform. And, you know, that is also a choice that we can make as human beings. And if that is the case, then that is fine. Whatever makes you happy. I believe that what makes a person happy, and it is not at anybody else's expense of happiness, you know, do no harm. You can be who you are and you feel comfortable being and live your life the happiest that you can live your life. But please, 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 please do not justify or excuse your unhappiness. That would be my message for tonight. Do not victimize yourself. You deserve more than that. All right. Well, thank you for joining me in my flow. Tonight's flow was all over the place. I guess because tomorrow is a full moon, I would say that the tides are running wild. Hey, and that's true. That's actually, that is the effect of a, of a full moon. Totos. We are, what, 70-80% made of water anyway, so I suppose that has affected my flow to be a little bit more chaotic and a little bit more all out there. I, I hope that you have found something in it to feed into yours. And until next time, good night.